Support for this podcast and the following message come from Barracuda Total Email Protection. According to the FBI, last year, cybercrimes cost $3.5 billion. Get the free ebook, 13 Email Threat Types to Know About Right Now, at barracuda.com slash NPR. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. We've got a great show for you. Four brilliant contestants are here to play our nerdy games. They're backstage collecting infinity stones, and only one will become our big winner. And our guest is actor Jen Colella, who was nominated for a Tony for her performance in the musical Come From Away. The show takes place in the week after 9-11, telling stories of the 38 planes that were forced to land in Gander, Newfoundland, until the skies were deemed safe. It's poignant, it is funny, but more amazingly, it's a musical about 9-11. I mean, was that not the toughest pitch of all time in Broadway history? Okay, hear us out. No, listen. Okay, it's the week after the attacks, and everyone in Canada is singing. In our first game, we imagine what's on the menu at Disneyland. I hope it's not venison. Let's meet our contestants. First up, Megan Osimonti on buzzer number one. You're a high school social studies teacher. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Your opponent is Jake Douglas on buzzer number two. You work for an online gift card startup. Welcome. Thanks. This is fun. Megan and Jake, the first of you who wins two of our games will go on to our final round. Let's start with a word game called Beauty and the Feast. In this game, the answer to each clue is a song from a Disney movie. But we replace one of the words in the song's title with a rhyming food word. Jonathan Colton, would you like to give us an example? I would very much. If we said, Baloo the bear insists that this is the only fruit he needs, you would answer, the pear necessities, replacing the word bear with pear. It's appropriate to groan if you feel <laughs> so moved. Ring in to answer. Here we go. When Elsa goes out for sushi, this is how she orders extra fish eggs. Megan. On the go, let it go. <laughs> okay. How about a hint from our chunk? So we're looking for a song from a musical and then change one of the words to be a food that we hinted in there. So. Hmm. Okay, Jake wants to steal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jake. That's all you, Jake. It's a let it row. Let it row. <laughs> yep. Fish eggs, row, let it go. Let it row. We also would have accepted, do you want to build a roman? <laughs> <laughs> to impress his date, Sebastian the crab orders a sandwich topped with a slice of cheese with holes in it. Jake. Uh, that would be from The Little Mermaid. Uh-huh. Do you know any of the songs from The Little Mermaid? Uh, yeah, I did before I got on stage. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the that one happens. with the fork in it. Okay. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna see if Megan can okay. steal. Megan, can you steal? Kiss the cheese. Oh. So close. <laughs> so close. Was a part of my cheese. <laughs> I love what you're doing here. Cheese. I wish that was a real song. That's amazing. <laughs> Part of the cheese. Part of my cheese. Part of my cheese. Um, I'm sorry that is incorrect. Jake knows the answer now, but I got to just give it. It's uh, Kiss the Girl turns into Swiss the Girl. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That you, was good. You guys are both circling was... around it. <laughs> to propose to his fiance Sebastian the Crab, again... To propose to his fiance, Sebastian the Crab hides an engagement ring beneath soft cheese. Megan. Under the brie? Yes! I just want to say I'm proud of you. Finally! Cheese is always the answer. <laughs> I know, I was going to say, there's two questions in a row with Sebastian the Crab and a piece of cheese. One's going to make the final edit. One yeah. won't. Which will it be? Which will it be? That's right. 
Jiminy Cricket dreams of visiting a New York deli and eating a snack of dough wrapped around a filling such as potatoes. Megan. Could it be Kanish the Girl? That's not a song in Pinocchio, as far as I know. <laughs> Jake, do you know the answer? Yeah, it's When You Kanish Upon a Star. That's correct. Get you a fairy godmother who can dress you for the ball, turn your pumpkin into a carriage, and give you a hearty soup recipe. The song's from Cinderella, and the title of the song is Three Nonsense Words. Megan. Bippity boppity soup. <laughs> I do like the way you rhyme. It's very, very, very close, close, but incorrect. Do you know the answer, Jake? Uh... Roo, bippity boppity roo. Ooh. Wow. Wow. It's I don't really assume. Like an R O U S roo. It's an ingredient. It's an ingredient no, to some soups. Yeah, but it's it not. It's not a, in and of itself a soup. Stew. No. Bippity boppity stew. Well, yeah, yeah, broth? But, yeah, but it's too late. It's too late. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's too late. It's one of our best first games of all time. <laughs> <laughs> This is your last clue. It means no worries for the rest of your eggs. Jake. That would be, the song is Hakuna Matata and the rest of your eggs. Hakuna Frittata. Yes! Puzziger Archung, how did our contestants do? It's a roll new world. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, Jake. You're one step closer to the final round. Next, we'll play an audio quiz that proves public radio lies to you, and not just about when the pledge drive's going to end. <laughs> but first, let's check in with our contestants. Megan, you are an avid blood donor. I am. I don't often get to say that to people. And tell us why that is specifically. Um, giving blood, I found out I had a pretty rare blood type. And What's your blood type? Um, B-neg. So, oh, yeah, that's yeah. very rare. How, do you, do you, 2%. Do, I didn't 2% know of that. the population? I didn't know that until the Red Cross kind of started cu- calling me like every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if they're, you know, they're hoaxing me or not, but um, they, yeah, they say that they need my blood. Um, a lot. Quite often, yeah. All right. Uh, Jake, you go on adventures when you travel. You're a traveler, uh, including jumping off a moving train in Rome? Yeah, that wasn't on purpose. Um, <laughs> uh, I was traveling with a girl I was dating at the time, and it was a 20-hour train ride that ended in Rome, and we woke up, and the train was stopped there, and it started moving without us, and she, went, she, was, she looked at me, and she said, I think I can make it. And she jumped and just went <laughs> splat. And then I, the train was picking up speed, so I had to jump to try to find her. We were fine. We spent a few hours in an ER, but... Oh, just a few hours in an ER? We were both fine. You're both fine? Yeah. <laughs> so we have an audio quiz for you called Real or Fake News. NPR has an April Fool's tradition. Every year, it airs a made-up story on one of its news shows. So we're going to play you a clip of a news story that aired on NPR. You have to guess, is this a real story or a real April Fool's prank? We realize this is something that used to be funny, but now feels super scary. (laughs) Anyhow, ring in, but be careful. If you guess incorrectly, your opponent automatically gets the point. Jake, you won the last game, so you win this, and you're off to the final round. Megan, you need to win this, or we're going to cover your toilet seat with saran wrap, but on a random day of the year. (laughs) Here we go. In 2010, Steve Inskeep reported on a hotel in France called La Villa Hamster. There for about 100 euros per night, you can live the life of a furry rodent. There is no gym because you can get your cardio workout by scrambling up the large hamster wheel in your room. Then you rehydrate from a tube attached to the side of the wall. Is that real or fake? Just an April Fool's prank story. Jake. I'm going to go real. Yeah, that's real. That's real. In 2007, back before smartphones were commonplace, Leanne Hansen reported on the Center for Reduction of Noise Pollution. The group is responding to an increasing number of confrontations spawned by a new phenomenon called ring rage, strangers getting into fights over obnoxious cell phone ringtones. Is that real or fake? Megan. 
real. I'm sorry, that is fake. But here's more. In 2011, Scott Simon reported on a new safety initiative. Starting this week in New York City, you might look up from a busy intersection and see... It says aggressive driver, aggressive pedestrian, two crash test dummies. Traffic warning haiku street signs are appearing on poles around the five boroughs. They're posted by the New York City Transportation Department. Real or fake? What do you think? Megan. Fake. I'm sorry, that one's real. I know. And there we all are, counting syllables in the middle of the street. (laughs) Doesn't seem safe. Nope. No. In 2011, Melissa Block reported on coffee shops that were ditching Wi-Fi in favor of the slow internet movement. Instead, they offered dial-up at 28.8 leisurely kilobits per second. Order dial-up, and Drip will activate one of the many phone jacks lining the brick walls here. 99 cents an hour. Real or fake? Megan, tell me it's fake. That's fake, yeah. That's fake. That coffee shop wouldn't last one day. In 2010, Guy Raz reported on the ultimate example of government bureaucracy. We came across a blog post at Reason Magazine this past week that linked to the Pentagon's official brownie recipe. It is 26 pages long, with detailed specs for the finished product. Okay, real or fake? Jake. Fake. Sorry, that is real. There's a 26-page long brownie recipe at the Pentagon. (laughs) This is your last clue. In 2005, Robert Siegel reported on a little-known fact of life for Vermont maple farmers. Untapped maple trees can explode like gushers, causing injury and sometimes death. Is that real or fake? Jake. Fake. That is fake. (laughs) Sounds fun, but they do not explode. All right, Puzzleger, Archung, how did our contestants do? Congratulations, Jake. You won both games, and you're headed to the final round. Coming up, we'll talk to Jen Colella, who stars in Broadway's Come From Away, a musical about a group of people stranded in a small town where everyone came together to help them in their time of need. It's not fiction. It's Canada. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Fastly. People expect websites and apps to be faster and more personalized than ever. And Fastly's Edge cloud platform makes it happen, giving developers the tools they need to go beyond what users expect. But it's not just about powerful technology. Fastly is known for putting the customer first. It's why they were named a leader in content delivery networks by review site G2. To learn how Fastly can help your business, visit fastly.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Slack, a new way to communicate with your team. It replaces email with something faster, better organized, and more secure. Every conversation has its own channel that's easy to join, search, or create, and it's all integrated. You can attach info from thousands of apps, share files, make calls, everything you need to get your work done. Welcome to your new headquarters. Try it for free at slack.com. Slack, where work happens. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Archung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Our special guest appears on Broadway in the musical Come From Away, based on the true story of a town in Canada that hosted 7,000 stranded travelers on 9-11. Please welcome Jen Colella, everybody. Welcome, Jen. Thank you so much. So happy to have you. I'm so glad to be here. So I understand you sang as a kid, (laughs) and then after college, you moonlighted for a while as a uh, rock and roll singer. I did. I did. Mm -hmm. So what are we talking? You were in a band? I was in a rock and roll band, yes. And what was the name of the band? The Soul Divers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We were so serious. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, and uh, what, what kind of gigs were you doing? We would play venues where there's plastic cups and sure. um, and it's loud. And uh, I, you know, would stage dive and wear leather and uh, fling my shirt off. It was fun times. Yeah. <laughs> then big break comes. Mm-hmm. 2003. Mm-hmm. You get the lead role cast as Sissy in Urban Cowboy. That's right. On Broadway. <laughs> yes. You have said that there was a uh, moment in that show that became one of one of your most memorable moments on stage. What happened? There were several. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I, I really honestly don't know what you're referring on to. The clo- <laughs> something happened on the closing night of the show. It was like oh, the final night. Oh, the closing night. night. Yes, yes. I thought you were talking about Naked Fight Call. That was a different... Okay. <laughs> that was something else. Let's, uh, let's do what they say. Put a pin in that <laughs> and gonna... come right back to it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yes. So, we opened to not so favorable reviews. And so, I didn't know a show could close so quickly. I had moved... I <laughs> I just didn't know that was possible. I was living in Los Angeles as a stand-up comedian at the time when I got the call, so I flew out to New York to open this Broadway show, and uh, we got panned by the critics, and I didn't know that. We showed up the very next day, and everybody was super sad, and I was like, why so dour? Last night was so much fun, and then they told us that day, we're closing. Uh, this will be your last weekend, and so we did the show, and we went through uh, all the weekend shows, and then our final show that Sunday, Lonnie Price, our director, came out and listened did everybody's name in the building, the spot ops, every actor, every musician. And he said, uh, and I have something to reveal. We are not closing tonight. <laughs> and the place erupted like we'd won the World Series. It was awesome. And um, I, I remember Gypsy uh, with Bernadette Peters. They were playing next door, and they said they could hear the eruption. <laughs> uh, and it was, I, I just didn't know any of that could happen. So we got a reprieve, and we were open for another four months uh, so that we could get Tony nominations and, and be around right. for a while. So what had changed? Just that someone... A lot of fans like kind of called in. We're no like, way. don't kill the cat. Cowboy, you know, like <laughs> yeah. we need we need Urban Cowboy on Broadway. Uh, yeah, um, it was super fun. I'm so so grateful for that for that particular fan generated extended run. It was awesome. Okay, and now what was the other story that you thought oh, I might shoot. be referring to? <laughs> I dug myself a bit of a hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what had happened was <laughs> I was in the shower and I had mismanaged my time, and we had fight call uh, before every show, and they called me onto the stage and I was in nothing but a towel and so I ran onto the stage and and my punch was the one I had a right hook that started the whole bar fight and so I had the towel and I'm up on this thing and and the cast was looking up at me this bridge and they were like lose the towel lose the towel and I was like I don't feel comfortable with that you guys and then I dropped it and threw my hook. Oh, nice! And, and then everybody started shedding clothes. And then from that moment on, it was clothing optional fight call. <laughs> uh, what, just for those who might not know, what is fight call? A fight call is if there is any kind of fight choreography in a show, then the actors will meet uh, prior to the show's beginning so that we can go through all of the moves of the fight. Usually you go through half speed, uh, very slow motion, and then you'll do it full out just so that we can get into our bodies and make sure that everybody's safe for the actual performance. Yeah, naked half speed's got to be very Naked half speed's something else. That's something else entirely. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you're in a musical now called Come From Away, based on the real story of a group of airline passengers who on September 11th end up stranded in the small Canadian town of Gander, Newfoundland. Actually, my parents came to Gander on their way to actually live in Canada. That's, oh, no that's where they landed. Uh, have you ever been to Gander? I sure have. We did a concert version of Come From Away for them in their hockey rink uh, prior to coming to the Broadway for about 5,000 of them. And it was one of the most extraordinary experiences of my entire life. Okay, so, I mean, population of Gander is... You said uh, about five... about 9,000. Yeah, I was yep. going to say you say 5,000. That feels like close to half, and uh-huh. I, I'm right in that. Okay. okay. And so 5,000 people came to the concert hockey rink yes to see this musical that is about them yes largely yes there's a there's a lyric in our opening number where we sing I'm an Islander and they heard this and leapt to their feet and started clapping and crying and the cast just started bawling we didn't know what to do it was so beautiful they really um they gave us the okay to to come to Broadway they really kind of blessed the show wow 
Wow. So your role, you actually play two roles in Come From Away. Uh, Beverly Bass, who is a real person, the first female captain at American Airlines. And you met the real Beverly Bass. Captain Bass is a dear friend of mine. She has seen the show over 100 times now. What? That's right. We had a big cake and a party for her. Um, and she's brought over 100 female pilots to see the show at various times. Uh, they all sit in the first couple rows, which is super fun for me. Uh, <laughs> and, not nerve-wracking <laughs> not at, at all. all. Nope, nope. Um, and she's, she's become a wonderful, wonderful friend and an, and an ally of the show. And did you talk to her as you were working on, like, I don't, portraying her, basically? For sure, absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, learning stories from her as we were developing the show across the country, different scenes were then added. And I, once I had the opportunity to spend time with her, I've added a couple of mannerisms that she does. When we sit for interviews, we... in we end up sitting the same way. Like, we have kind of adopted... She cut her hair short like mine. Really? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we've become little little buddies. It's sweet. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, you've actually... You've accumulated quite a few uh, admirers for your work, and some of them are pretty intense admirers. I read you gave an autograph to someone, and they ended up getting that tattooed on them. Yes. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. It is sweet. You know, yeah. what's been so cool about it is that our fans um, are reminding us that this show is not only just entertainment, it's about kindness and mm -hmm. compassion and being the best person that you can be. So I'm so deeply grateful for all of our fans. Have you ever been such a fan of something that you got a tattoo of it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know why you're asking me this. You have a beautiful star tattoo on your bicep. Yes, yes. My, the very first Broadway show that I saw was Phantom of the Opera. And I grew up in South Carolina, and we didn't have a lot of theater there. And so I was blown away. I, yeah. I'd never heard anything so beautiful. I'd never seen anything so magical. It was the moment I decided I'm doing this. So I promptly went, my 18-year-old self, uh, to Georgia, because it was illegal in South Carolina, to get a phantom tattoo mask on my arm to show my dedication to the craft. Did they have that offering in their books, or did you I have to... I brought it. I had to yeah. bring it. I had to bring it. Yeah, they didn't... That was not in the trailer where I got this particular <laughs> tattoo in, in, in Georgia. And so then my very first Broadway show, Urban Cowboy, was actually at the Broadhurst, which is directly next door to the Phantom of the Opera. So I thought, well... Country come to town can't have Phantom uh, if I'm right next door. So me and a couple of cast members went and got stars oh, uh, yeah. together to represent that particular Broadway show. And I knew that I wanted a star because they represent guidance and light and help me remember that we're all connected. So uh, the Phantom's under there, though. Yeah, yeah. The Phantom is under yeah, the star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is like, uh, it's like an Italian painting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jen, are you ready for your Ask Me Another Challenge? I think so. All I right. So. Jen Kalella, everybody. <laughs> so, Jen, speaking of tattoos, for your game, we did a deep dive on the internet looking for Broadway-related tattoos. Right on. Okay, so I'm just going to describe a real tattoo we found online. Okay. You just tell us which Broadway show it's referencing. Okay. If you do well enough, Christy Walsh from Edmond, Oklahoma, is going to win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Ooh, okay. And if you need a hint, our puzzle guru, Art Chung, is standing by to help you out. Right on, okay. Okay, here's your first one. I feel nervous. No, no. Okay, it's... just a little. I had to put it out there. I want to be honest. <laughs> That's good. Okay. That's good. <laughs> this tattoo is on a person's thigh. It's a five-pointed star, but the top point is replaced by the silhouette of a man pointing up at the sky. Below it says, I will never be satisfied. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Let's just say that's an interesting placement of that is. Let's that just tattoo. say. We can say. There's a thigh. Yep. Hamilton tattoo. Pointing. Pointing up. Pointing. I don't mind it. I will never be satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> These two matching best friend tattoos feature hearts and the quote, because I knew you, I have been changed for good. Aw, wicked. Yeah, wicked. That's right. Witches are getting a lot nicer. Witches are getting a lot nicer. I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Elphaba is another role that I was I have considered going in for, but everyone I know, and I have dear friends who have played this, so I feel okay saying this. Everyone I know who has played that role has lost her voice and her mind a little bit. <laughs> it's a it's hard the role. hardest. I, you are such a giant to play that role. You should bow down to any woman who has ever, ever, ever played Elphaba because it is no joke. And I just have such respect, and I don't think I'm talented enough to play Elphaba or ever be in the ensemble of anything. Both of those things. <laughs> I'm not talented enough. Clearly, that is incorrect. All right, this is an upper arm tattoo of a birdcage with the door open and a green finch sitting inside with the words, if I cannot fly, let me sing. I know it's a hard one. Yeah, no, I really feel, I'm a, I know why the cage bird sings. I don't know if that's a Would you like to musical? go to Puzzle Guru or John for a yeah. sure. What are my clues? Yeah, this is a tough one. This is from a Sondheim musical and it's okay. from the song Green Finch and Lynette Bird. It's from 1979, and okay. it's from a musical subtitled The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Oh, from Sweeney Todd? Yeah. Get out of here. Yep. I didn't even know there was a bird in that show. <laughs> so this is Do some... they eat it? <laughs> First, they give it a little Does trim. Does the bird make it? <laughs> um, the song... Why are they eating all those people if they have that juicy bird? <laughs> Okay, here is your last clue. Okay. A large tattoo of the character Munku Strap, who has silver and gray fur and is wearing a punk rock-looking collar surrounded by the words feline, fearless, faithful, and true. Is that from Cats? Yeah. All right, Jellicle Jellicle. Get into it. Jellicle Jellicle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how about, how about a role in Cats? How Come about on. that? Yeah, Jellicle Cats. No one has ever explained what that term is. You don't need to. Jellicle, jellicle. I think this went really well. Puzzle Guru Art Chung, how did our special guest do? Congratulations, Jen. You and listener Christy Walsh both win Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. (laughs) Jen stars in the Broadway musical Come From Away. Give it up for Jen Colella. Thank you so much. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next, we'll play a game about words that start with the letters D-E. It's delightful, it's delicious, it's dehumanizing. Let's meet our contestants. First up, Michelle Spilzinger on buzzer number one. You work for a diamond wholesaler. Welcome. Thank you. So, Michelle... What do you do with these diamonds? I um, take them out of their papers. I clean them. I weigh them. I ship them to people. I accept them when they come in. I pretty much sell them. So, uh, okay. (laughs) Are you over them? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was never really under them. I, it's just an administrative job. It yeah. like it happens to be that I sell diamonds. I could be selling pens. It would mean the same thing. Yeah. Do you have a lot of diamonds? Me? No, I don't have any. Do any end up in your pockets before you leave work? <laughs> Once, yes. Really? <laughs> By mistake, uh-huh. I took one home. Sure. And I got in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right, I understand that. Your opponent is Jacob Berman on buzzer number two. You're a data analyst for the New York City Mayor's Office and also a competitive ballroom dancer. Welcome. It is so great to be here. Oh, fantastic. So, Jacob, our game is about words that start with the letter D-E. Have you ever been demoted or devalued? I mean, back in high school, I was very into the assembly planning committee, which is probably the nerdiest thing you can do in high school. The assembly planning committee? Oh, yeah, we planned the assemblies for the school. It was great. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, it started out great. And then, you know, someone was basically like, competing with me for the top spot. Are you kidding me? Well, I don't know. There was just drama involved, and I felt devalued, so... Yeah. I I love that. That is totally a case of, like, high stakes, low stakes, right? Absolutely, yes. So we've got a word game for you called Denature of the Beast. In this game, we'll give you alternate definitions for words that start with the letters D-E. Let's go to Jonathan Colton for an example. If we said, I take great joy... In blowing out the candles, you'd answer delight. That's because delight means great joy, and also delight sounds like you're extinguishing a light. Okay, ring in to answer. Let's go. Explain to me exactly how you're going to get out of paying for those overdue library books. 
Jacob. Uh, not it's not return. It's owner. No, bar. Oh, Deboro. That's not. <laughs> Just making up words here. Not correct. That is incorrect. I'm sorry. Do you know the answer, Michelle? Um, okay. I think it's depay, and that's not a word. <laughs> also, not a word. Yes, you are. You are correct in your assessment of your incorrectness. <laughs> and what we were looking for is define. Define. Let's try this next one. I can disprove that urban legend about why all of the two-tiered beds disappeared. Jacob. Debunk. Debunk is correct. Mm -hmm. Settling in, settling in. (laughs) I hate the fact that my school no longer gives exams. Michelle. Oh, I was going to say despise, and I don't think the exam thing goes with that. But despise is my answer. Despise is incorrect, Michelle. I'm sorry. Jacob, do you know the answer? I do. It's detest. Detest. That's right. There we go. FedEx brought a package to Hannibal Lecter. It contained fava beans and a nice Chianti. Now he just needs to find something to go with it. Michelle. Deliver. Deliver. You're not going to get that from Seamless. (laughs) This is your last clue. In this post-mission interview, we'll learn all the facts about why you removed your underpants. How about a hint from Archon? We're looking for a synonym for underpants. (laughs) Jacob. Debrief. That is correct. Archon, how did our contestants do with this very difficult game? What a tough game. Congratulations, Jacob. You're one step closer to the final round. If you are determined to develop your delusions of trivia grandeur, come join us. Go to amatickets.org. Don't deny yourself. Demand what you deserve before you self-destruct. Coming up, a music parody game that proves not only wherever you go, there you are, but also wherever you go, there's probably an arena rock band named after it. I'm Ophira Eisberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from American Express. Small businesses are what keep our community together, which is why it's so important to help them succeed. American Express has created a new platform that all small business owners can use to keep their dream alive. They brought together 100-plus companies to provide offers and resources to help small business owners get back to what they do best, following a dream, serving a community, and employing America. Standforsmall.com slash partner, powered by American Express. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Netflix's Ratchet, from the creator of American Horror Story and starring Emmy Award winner Sarah Paulson. Netflix's Ratchet tells the origin story of how the iconic asylum nurse from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Mildred Ratchet, came to be. This suspenseful drama delves deep into the mysterious world of 1940s psychiatric hospitals, where Mildred Ratchet must reckon with her past and anyone in her way. Watch Ratchet only on Netflix, September 18th. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Michelle and Jacob. Soon they'll play a music parody game, and if you can't place the name of that band, you're going to have a hard time with this game about bands named for places. So let's check in with our contestants. Michelle, what was your favorite city to visit, but you'd never want to live there? New Orleans. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> really? You don't want to live right down on Bourbon Street? Uh, that's not even the issue. It's more that it's the trafest city that I've ever been to, and I keep kosher, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of a problem. Right. They put, like, pork in your Everything water. has shellfish or pig or alligator. I don't even know what, but it's definitely not anything I can <laughs> The trafest city of all time. <laughs> New tagline. Yeah. Laissez les trafes temps rouler. <laughs> Jacob, what is your favorite city to visit, but you would never want to live there? Um, I love London, which is great, but you know, everyone speaks English, there's a lot to see and do, but it's just 
dreary, which I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I hope that doesn't offend anyone, but no. Yeah. I mean, they know. They live there. There's not a lot of sunshine. They're like, yeah, you're right. It rains all the time. Your next game is a music parody game called Literally Geographic. Jacob, you won the last game, so you win this, and you are in the final round. Michelle, you need to win this, or you have to start a band and name your band by throwing a dart at a map. So we're looking forward to hearing your debut album, Breezewood Interchange. (laughs) We rewrote songs by geographically named bands so that now the songs are about the places the bands are named after. So ring in and tell me which band I'm parodying, which contains the place that I'm singing about. Here we go. Watching Checkpoint Charlie doesn't matter anymore. Brandenburg Gate is just a pretty place to tour. Used to be divided till that big wall's bricks came off Don't thank Ronald Reagan, just thank David Hasselhoff (laughs) Michelle Berlin Berlin, that's right, take my breath away Sears no more Now it's called Willis Tower It's confusing, I know But the deep dish pizza's great I can't believe how much I ate I gained some weight Jacob Chicago Chicago, that's right That's all you need, really, but I'm going to do the, <laughs> can I, do can the I, whole clue. <laughs> I close my eyes, open them again, and I see lots of wheat. Also cows, stretching from Topeka down to Wichita. This isn't us. This is very clearly not us. Jacob. Kansas. Kansas is correct. Well, I drove to Carolina from California. It's too big to cross in one day. I seen a canyon. The twinkling lights of Broadway My car is filled with fast food garbage That I won't throw away Michelle Ohio No, I'm sorry, that's incorrect Jacob, do you know the answer? The United States of America? Hmm. (laughs) No, I I guess I can't can't accept that No, we're looking for just America As the name of the band Let's go travel to Quebec Watch ice hockey games and eat poutine. Down to Rue St. Paul will trek. Let's speak French or else they might be mean. Jacob. Canada. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not the answer we were looking for. Michelle, do you know? Montreal. Do you no. know the name of the band? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's killing me. Killing me. The name of the band is Of Montreal. But you were right that we were. I was singing about Montreal. Name rings a bell in Israel, northern part near the Sea of Gaza. That Jesus spent his younger days round here. Now pilgrims frequent. Jacob. Nazareth. Nazareth, that's right. That was Love Hurts. <laughs> this is your last clue. There's cars on the mass pike. 
They're all heading to Fenway for a game Take the tea or bike To the bar where they all know my name Yeah, there's a bar where they all know my name Michelle Boston Boston, you got it Puzzle Guru Art Chung, how did our contestants do? Well done, Jacob. You won both games, and you're headed to the final round. While Jake and Jacob get ready for the final round, it's time for us to play a game. This is Mystery Guest. A stranger is about to come on stage. Jonathan and I have no idea who this person is or what makes them special, but our puzzle guru, Art Chung, does. That's right, Ophira. You and Jonathan will work together as a team to figure out our Mystery Guest secret by asking yes or no questions. Mystery Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Lori Pressman, and as part of my job, I help select the winner of a well-known annual award. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whatever this person is selected for, is this a job or skill that you yourself have done or do? No. Interesting. Is the award related to the arts? Could be. But Could not necessarily. Be. Not really. Uh, yeah, not necessarily. Not really. Okay. Um, is this a generic Award like a person of the year or a thing of the year? <laughs> is it for something specific? Is it for a specific skill or a specific area? Or is it just general greatness? I love general greatness. That's very funny. Because <laughs> I've won seven general greatness awards. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say it's for something specific. Yeah. And as a hint, I'm going to say... Uh, oh, don't hint. <laughs> I've been asked not to hint. All right, uh, but, but uh, All right. We're, we're, we this is a bit of a curveball. Is it is it a person who wins the award? No. Oh, okay. Is it a animal? No. Is it a is it a place? Is it awarded to a city or a or a state or something like that? No. Hmm. Hmm. Is it a vapor? <laughs> no. By the way, is this award for the best? Is this a positive re- a- award? <laughs> Yes, it's a positive award. Okay. And it would not be defined as best or worst. I can't say anymore. Uh, it's a cultural phenomenon of some sort? Yes. Okay. That is the first time I've heard you use the word yes. <laughs> I feel we're different. We're different now with each other. Yes, we're different we now are. It's a cultural phenomenon. Cultural okay. phenomenon. I said those words. I don't even really know what they mean. <laughs> well, it's pretty broad. It's pretty broad. <laughs> it might be something that... Uh, if you were buying a house. If I was buying a house? Or redecorating your apartment. Best broker? <laughs> <laughs> okay, redecorating my apartment. Okay. Oh, are you selecting the Pantone color of the year? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah! yeah! Yeah. Hold on, hold on. So, Lori is vice president of the Pantone Color Institute, where she and her team of color experts do everything from color trend forecasting to brand color development. And as part of her job, she helps select Pantone's color of the year. So, first of all, what color are we in right now? Ultraviolet. Whoa, oh, talk intense. about a curveball. Yeah. You can't even see it. <laughs> <laughs> but you can. It's an award. It's for bugs. Only bugs get it. And so you, ultraviolet was chosen because it best represents where we are at as a global community? So when we talk about the color of the year, it's not a prediction, it's a reflection. What's taking place in our world at a particular moment in time and the color we select is what we feel people are looking for that color can help to answer. So it's not about feeling angry, which we know a lot of people were, and we picked red. And one of the, (laughs) it's not about that, it doesn't work like that, but one of the really overriding choices or reasons behind the selection this year for ultraviolet was, so we're living in this world that's constantly moving and constantly changing, and we have to adapt and we have to keep up. And you look at the people that are succeeding or people that are not inside a box or thinking outside a box, there is no box. And you look at Jack Ma and you look at Jeff Bezos, and you look at Elon Musk, and you look at all these people that have completely changed the game. So when you look at the ultraviolet, it's a blue-based purple shade, it's an introspective shade, it's a thoughtful shade, it's a meditative shade, 
And it's about visionary thinking. It's about originality. It's about non-conforming. You look at the artists that have used that color. You think of Jimi Hendrix. You think of Prince. You think of David Bowie. You think of Grace Jones. People that are different from the norm. People that prided themselves on being different. So do they throw out a, 10 colors and they say one of these is going to be the finalist? No. We have a global team of people. We've been doing trend forecasting since 1999. We live, eat, and breathe color. I see my world. I'm wearing black. So you probably can't tell. <laughs> but we see everything through the lens of color. We're looking at what's taking place and how does that manifest itself out in color. And it takes a few years for a color to become a trend. So what can you tell us about what's coming down the pike? Oh, boy, we could be here a long time. <laughs> I don't want to talk about color of the year for 2019 because that would be way too early and we're still living in our world of ultraviolet. If we go back to, you know, that basic premise that color reflects the culture, you can still be, see the greens being very important. Nature has been an important part of our lives and it's become increasingly important. You're seeing the blues continue for that same reason. The teal, so the blue-based greens, the green-based blues, again, it's that blend and then also there's this whole concept of play and invention and creation. Some of that is manifested in these really bright, bright shades. By the same token, it's not just about the brights. It's also reaching itself into the midtones. But it's, if we go brights, midtones, but also the pastel shades, the softer shades. Very cool. I had no idea the, the background of what color theory was all about in terms of an actual business. And I'm very happy to know that you guys spend so much time picking ultraviolet. It's going to make me like that color more, even if I can't see it. <laughs> Give it up for our mystery guest, Lori Pressman, the vice president of the Pantone Color Institute. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalists, Jake Douglas, whose travel tip is don't jump off a moving train. And Jacob Berman, who was on his high school's assembly planning committee but left because of too much politics. <laughs> Puzziger Archung, take it away. Thanks, Ophira. Jacob and Jake, in an effort to exploit toxic millennial nostalgia, your final round is called, Dude, where's my car? <laughs> Every answer contains the consecutive letters C-A-R. However, those letters may or may not be pronounced car. Our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube signed by Jen Colella. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Jacob is going first. Here we go. Jacob, a person who makes maps. Cartographer. That is correct. Jake, an archaic term for a person who sells medicine and drugs. That would be an apothecary. That's right. Jacob, a French delicacy of cooked snails. Escargot. Correct. Jake, what Yankee Doodle called the feather he stuck in his cap? It was macaroni. That's right. Jacob, financial company originally known as Interbank Master Charge. Three seconds. Uh... No answer. We're looking for Master Card. Jake, an ice cream franchise chain that makes ice cream cakes named Fudgy the Whale and Cookie Puss. Carvel. Correct. Jacob, long sleeve sweater that opens like a jacket, famously worn by Mr. Rogers. Cardigan. That's right. Jake, in 2016, the Wall Street Journal published a viral article about this much maligned summer fashion item worn on the lower body featuring lots of large pockets. Cargo shorts. Cargo shorts, we'll accept that. Correct. We're at the halfway point. Jake is in the lead four to three. Jacob, grumpy, tender heart, good luck and love a lot are examples of these characters. Need Cartoon answer. Network stars? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're looking for something more specific. We're looking for Care Bears. Oh. Jake, Mufasa's enemy in The Lion King. Uh, that would be... Three seconds. Uh... We were looking for Scar. <laughs> Jacob, a train-inspired nickname for a roll of 12 in craps. Cargo. <laughs> no, we're looking for boxcars. Oh. Jake, a big-money casino card game frequented by James Bond. Um, that would be... Baccarat. Baccarat is correct. 
All right, here's the situation. Jake is in the lead five to three. Jacob, if you get this question wrong, Jake wins the game. She played an AI voice in the Spike Jones film, Her. Scarlett Johansson. That's right. Score is five to four. Jake, if you get this question right, you win. This Seven Dirty Words comedian hosted the first episode of Saturday Night Live. Uh, Carlin. That's right, George Carlin. Congratulations, you win. Jacob, such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And congratulations, Jake. And that is our show. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagram to Narc Thug. And Art is not only our regular puzzle guru, but he's our boss, and he is moving on. This is his last episode as our senior supervising producer. Art's been with the show since almost the beginning, and he is responsible for shaping the show. Our fine balance of high and low culture is his work, as well as always making sure the show has some puzzle integrity. So thank you so much, Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Now Jolta Cannon. He's sticking around. Our puzzles were written by Ruth Morrison and senior writers Kyle Beakley, Eric Feinstein, and Karen Lurie with additional material by Will Hines. Ask Me Others produced by Mike Katzeff, Travis Larchuk, Denny Shin, and Ramel Wood, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Rick Kwan, and David Hurtgen. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Haripe Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Happy to hear you're still listening, and since you're still here, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review? We love to hear from you, and it helps others find out about our show. For additional information about new episodes, upcoming live shows, road shows, and bonus games, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks! Next time on Ask Me Another, we're joined by author and activist Duray McKesson, who tells us about being known for his iconic blue vest. People give me them as gifts now, which is awkward. Oh, right. So they'll be like, thank you for coming, vest. And you're like, I don't have like an affinity for vests. You know, it's like a, like a vest are fine. You know, I like this vest. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. <laughs>